Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the One Visit Away podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be basing it off of a post I made on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. And it's basically about, it's like, you know, 10 tips to give yourself the best shot of staying in a major gift position for five years or more. And the reason I made this post and the reason I think this topic is important is, as many of you know, the average length of stay of a major gift officer is like less than 18 months. I've seen, you know, different studies, but some say it's like even 11 months, which doesn't surprise me at all. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But the the thing is, if you leave a job after 11 months, 18 months, 24 months in major gifts, you're not even close to seeing what you're actually capable of accomplishing at that organization. People who decide to give very significant gifts for them, whether that's $10,000, $100,000, or a million or more, gen- they don't make those decisions on quick timelines. I'm not saying someone can't give you $100,000 quickly. They can, but it probably represents an inconsequential gift for them. If somebody earns $50 million a year, they can write you a check for a hundred grand on a first visit and it not be a big deal. But the average person who writes a check for a hundred thousand dollars, this is years in the making. And so, I mean, if you're just, (laughs) if you're just going to work in an organization for, for 10 months, 15 months, whatever, I mean, there are people it might take you 12 months to get a visit with. And then you go on one visit and then you leave like it's it's I mean you're just not even close to seeing what's possible and so if you never work in an organization for five years or more you're gonna struggle to just really understand what's possible for you as a major gift officer Um, you're gonna struggle to see kind of the fruits of your labor like you're gonna spread out all this effort into so many different organizations and never really be there to to reap the the real benefits. Um, sure, you'll have some wins here and there, but um, you're just going to miss be missing out on tons of of results. And the cool thing is, is like you know, once you've been working at an organization for five or more years, it kind of gets easier every year because you know these people. It's easier to get the visit. Um, it, it's more cultivating what's already there than just going out and getting getting new stuff done all the time which you know both have their benefits and uh pros and cons but um i'm a huge proponent of sticking at an organization for a long time i was at the same organization for over seven years and uh so i think i'm somewhat qualified to talk about this and i'm just going to give you you know, the things, the things that I did that allowed me to do that. So in this post, I'm just start reading through these and comment a little bit more. But one, get out of debt. People have their, 
differences of opinions on this. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. But look, the, the reason, one of the beautiful things about being out of consumer debt is you don't have to pay for things from your past. So it's like every month your paycheck comes in, you're not having to pay on a car, on a student loan, on whatever. And so you can get by on much lower income because you're not sending it all out to these payments. Um, And so, I mean, yeah, so get out of debt if you can. It just frees you up. You're less stressed out. You don't have to focus so much on earning money. And, you know, I'm going to talk about this several times, but the reason this is so important is when you start off working in major gifts especially, you're not going to be making a ton of money most of the time. You might, if you like parachute it into a pretty sweet gig, you're coming in from another career or something like that, you might be making a a strong income. But I mean, when I started out, I was making $35,000 a year with no benefits. And so that's not a ton of money. And um, yeah, if, if you add in a $500 car payment and credit card debt and all kinds of other stuff it's just impossible so get out of debt is the number one thing it just frees you up to not be stressed out about money and focus on the task at hand number two build a strong emergency fund this is the you know just following dave ramsey's baby steps but when you've got three to six months of living expenses set aside in an emergency fund it frees you up to Again, just focus on the work, not be so stressed out about money. And uh, like, yeah, if you did lose your job, uh, you're good for at least three to six months. You don't have to be freaking out about that. You know, a lot of times there were a lot of situations where I would push back on leadership on various things. You know, people would tell me uh, basically, you know, my boss or whoever would want me to act in a certain way and I would certain things I felt strongly enough to just say no I'm not going to do that and part of what allowed me to take those those stances uh, is that at the end of the day if I got fired um, it's not that big of a deal I have I had money set aside I'd be in a position to and I didn't think anyone would fire me but a lot of times the fear of I have to have this paycheck keeps people from taking risks in their career. So number two, build a strong emergency fund. It's going to free you up to act a lot more freely. Number three, live as simply as possible. If you catch on to a theme here, this is about just freeing you up to not stress so much about the money. When I graduated from college, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment with a roommate. One of my one of my good friends from college. He and I shared a one-bedroom apartment. It was like you know the the all-in. It was like rent was like seven hundred twenty-five bucks a month, and then we split that between the two of us, and it was awesome. Like you know, like <laughs> barely had any expenses, and it just made made life easy and simple. Um, and again, when you're when you're living that simply, you don't have to go get the five thousand dollar raise or the ten thousand dollar raise or whatever it is because you don't need it. And I know, look, I know not everybody's in the same position. There's if I was doing this today, married with kids, it would be a very different position. But 
we can always make different choices. I mean, so many of my classmates, I mean, I was, I, I don't know of another one of my classmates that had a roommate with, <laughs> with another, uh, with another, you know, a one bedroom apartment with a roommate right after we graduated. So people are going to naturally, uh, gravitate towards what's easy and what's comfortable. And I'm saying, don't do that. Live as simply as possible. Number four, pick an organization and cause you care deeply about. The other thing you need to understand when you're getting into this line of work is it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very challenging. It's not going to be like you're going to work at, uh, generally speaking, you're not going to walk into this well-oiled machine where everyone knows what's going on. You walk in day one, here's your portfolio. Here's adequate training for how to move forward. Here's our, you know, one-week process that we take all new hires uh, through and climatize you to the environment and get you prepared to succeed in your role. That just isn't going to happen most of the time. And so you're going to be dealing with uh, dysfunction, chaos, lack of clarity, and it's going to be really challenging. And you're not going to get paid as much as doing other things a lot of times. So you've got to pick an organization and a cause you care deeply about. Because if you don't have that, yeah, 10 months, 18 months, whatever is going to roll around and that you know $5,000 raise, $10,000 raise, whatever it is, that's going to be stronger than the pull of whatever it is you would stick around to this organization for if you're not really committed to that cause and you're going to leave. And, you know, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying you should never leave. But you're n- if you want to learn what it's like to be somewhere for 5, 10 years or something like that, you've got to do some of these things so you can give yourself the greatest likelihood of making that a reality. Number five, find a mentor who has done this before, aka stuck with something that was challenging for a long time. Most... Again, if you're just looking inside of our industry, most people only stay for 18 months. And so if you're looking at other people who have job hopped for two decades and you're and you're getting their input, they're going to tell you to job hop because that's what they've done. And that's what you're going to do. And if you just do that for a career, it's going to be pretty, pretty miserable at the end of it. And so... Find someone who is stuck with something for a long time, whether or not it could be in the fundraising world, it could be in a for-profit business, but find somebody who's been through difficult times, stuck through and come out on the other side victorious. And, you know, I had somebody um, who was working for a pretty big company and he was a very quiet, like, you know, didn't talk about this kind of stuff a ton, but he, he had a significant promotion at one point and he told me, after it occurred, kind of the struggle he'd been through. And it was like a a three-year slog of just keeping his head down, doing his work every day. And he didn't know how it was gonna how it was gonna end up, but by the end he was uh elevated into this amazing position and doing extremely well. And yeah, it just helps to be and like seeing him as one of my biggest mentors and the success he's had in a lot of areas of life. Seeing somebody like that uh, go through similar things gives you the confidence to say, okay, if Bob can do it, I can do it. So find somebody like that that you can get in your corner. Number six, make sure your compensation structure is in writing 
along with requirements to reach increased compensation before you accept the position. So this is a common thing I see is uh, things will be unclear about how we get compensated as major gift officers. And that's horrible. (laughs) Don't take a job unless the compensation structure is written down. It's very clear. And that puppy is signed by whoever is responsible for uh, making it happen. So if you're paid a salary, get that in writing. If there's any kind of uh, you know bonus or incentive structure or whatever, make sure that is in writing and very clearly defined so that all parties understand what's going on here. And almost more importantly, I would ask for, you know, what what does it look like to increase my compensation over time? You know, sometimes it's it, like, let's say you get a job offer for making $80,000 somewhere, and that's awesome. But what happens if uh, 12 months down the road, you know, you were supposed to, let's just call it, you were supposed to raise 500000 um, from your portfolio, and 12 months in, you do $1.2 Like, you should have something in writing that determines what's my income going to look like 12 months from now if I hit certain criteria. And again, if you don't have that, it can be really frustrating for you as the gift officer because you're going to you're going to like kill it and, you know, double or triple what was expected of you and they're like, "All right, good job. Here's your uh, 3% annual raise." And it's like, "What the heck? I just did I just did triple what you were expecting me to do. What, like, what is this? And so make sure your compensation structure is in writing. But also, I would have a conversation with your employer about what does increased compensation look like? What are the amounts? What are the timelines of when you're going to put that into effect if I meet certain requirements? Number seven, become world-class at your craft so that you're so good they can't ignore you, as Cal Newport says. So Cal Newport wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And it's all about how to become, you know, great at your craft and find enjoyment of your work, in your work. And one of the things he talks about is, uh, basically, there's a lot of great things in that book. I'll, I'll <laughs> spare you all the details. You can read it. But one of the things just the title reminds me of is you need to become so good at your craft that people can't ignore you anymore. And it really is that simple. A lot of times when we're getting started, you know, I've had conversations with major gift officers over the years and they're like, man, my, my employer won't let me go like travel to go visit with this, this donor. Uh, you know, they won't approve the expense. And on the one hand, I can sympathize, sympathize with the major gift officer because it's like, yeah, we, we got to go see people um, to make this happen. But I can also sympathize with the employer if the gift officer hasn't been bringing in any money. Like, if you're, <laughs> if you're kicking butt and just bringing in hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to the organization, that would not be there without you. I don't mean these people give $10,000 every year because they respond to something in the mail. I mean, you're going out, finding these people, identifying them, having conversations, asking for specific gifts, and people are saying yes, and new money's coming in the door. 
That's an incredibly valuable skill. And if they don't see you doing that and you're, in fact, losing money for the organization every year, which happens a lot, then, yeah, I get it. Why would they approve that expense? So become extraordinary at your craft so that and it'll allow it'll give you incredible influence over the organization. Um I mean, it, it's just it's just the case. It's one of the reasons I don't like this uh, methodology, but it's one of the reasons really successful major gift officers wind up running organizations is because they get people's attention. And if you can bring millions of dollars into the door, people, you've got people's attention. And they think many times inaccurately that just anything you touch turns to gold and so a lot of times it's not a good move for leadership, but uh, bringing in a ton of money and becoming world-class at your craft gives you a lot of influence over the organization. So get incredibly good at your craft. Number eight on my list here, do as much as you can to determine if it's a good cultural fit. One of the things I see happen a lot is people wind up going to work for an organization, they're super excited about it. And then, you know, a few months later, 12 months later, uh, they realize everyone there sucks. It's all, uh, I don't know, everybody's so focused on, you know, money, money, money. How much money did you bring in? Like, it's just, it's way too intense, something like that. You, you never know what it's going to be. But whatever it is, it's uh, some reason people wind up saying uh, they take the blame away from themselves. And they say, you know, it wasn't a good cultural fit. And I get that to a degree, but what I would say is you should be able to determine that before you get there. Like, if if you keep winding up at organizations that it's just impossible to succeed at, then there's two scenarios in my mind. One is uh, you are the common denominator that's going with you to all these scenarios, and it's something you need to change. Or two, if it really is the problem of all these organizations, well, there's something you need to get better at about learning. Like, how do I, how do I figure out if this is a good cultural fit or not? And I would go talk to people who have been in business for a long time, who have been in nonprofits for a long time, um, who have stuck around for years. Maybe somebody who's had a mix of experiences. They've done some job hopping, but they've also had some, you know, 10, 15 year stays in an organization, I'd start developing that skill because if it's always the organization's problem, then at the end of the day, we need to realize there's something we could do about this to make sure we don't wind up at one of those organizations. Number nine, get a side hustle if you need to supplement your income. When I was in working in, when I was working in major gifts, uh, there came a point in time where I needed to earn more money. And there were several reasons for that that are uh, unimportant to this podcast right now, but I needed to go make more money. And I had already received, you know, some pretty significant raises in my job. And I was kind of, um, like over time I knew I would earn more in my day job, but I also realized that I didn't want to put I wanted to get out of the uh, just kind of this rat race of every time I need to make more money, I got to go beg my employer 
to throw me some more pennies. And I wanted to just control. I wanted to have greater control over my income. And I was like, hey, if I can go find these major gifts, if I can raise big money for this organization, if I can kind of control that, it seems silly to me that someone else is determining how much I should be paid. If I have the ability to go, you know, leave the cave, kill something and drag it home, why don't I just do that for my business? Um, And so that's part of the reason I started my consulting business part time is because I wanted to have control over that. And it worked out incredibly well. And one of the benefits to getting that side hustle and like starting my business how it is, I didn't need my employer to give me raises anymore. And I'm not saying you shouldn't get raises from your employer, but like sometimes, I mean, if if you need an extra ten, twenty five, fifty thousand dollars, whatever it is, it might be a lot easier to go earn that yourself in another way. And hopefully, if you're worth that on, you know, in your day job, hopefully you'll get those raises over time. And, you know, that would be wonderful. But what I'm saying is hopefully it will be both things. But if the only way you feel like you can earn more money is by getting your employer to pay you more in the next three months or something like that, then you're going to wind up feeling really pushed into, let me go look at other opportunities. Because if the only way I can get an extra 20 grand is to go work for another organization, that makes it a lot easier to get tempted by that slightly higher salary. And so, yeah, go see if there's other ways you can earn income so you can stick with this organization you're really passionate about for a long time. Number 10, develop a 12-year mindset instead of a 12-month mindset. Still to this day, I think I did a pretty good job at this when I was working in Major Gifts of thinking of the long term. But there's still a few people I really wish the first time I would have met them, I would have thought, how do I want this? What do I want this relationship to look like 10 years from now? You know, what would I have done differently if that was my mindset? And and that's the approach I would take to your uh, your career in major gifts. Instead of thinking, where do I want to be 12 months from now? Which might be, oh man, that five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 raise, whatever it is that seems awesome. Like I got to go do that. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's fine. But how does it fit into the 12 year picture? How does this fit into your career? You know, when you're a decade down the road and if it's a good step in that direction, sure, it might be time to move. Um, but if it's not, and it's just a, a quick, I made a little cash right now, it's not going to, you're not going to be thanking yourself a decade into the future. And, you know, I look back on my career and there were so many times that I almost left my organization. There were, uh, you know, just different opportunities. And and there were some times where I was pretty close uh, to leaving. And I look back at it now and I'm so grateful that I decided to stay. I mean, there's a there's a million reasons for it. But I knew I was going to look back and say, man, if I can really do something great at this organization, this is going to be worth so much more than any, you know, raise that I could get going to another organization. And so that's number 10. Develop a 12-year mindset instead of a 12-month mindset. 
And that's going to get you looking a lot more towards where do I want to be with my career 10, 15, 20 years down the road. I hope this episode has been valuable to you. As always, if you enjoyed this, please leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And remember, you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your organization and your benefactors.